Well, good morning. Well, it's good to be uh, back. Uh, Ginger and I have missed everyone. Uh, we traveled 3,400 miles on our, our trip, and we have learned that um, particularly driving through the night is not a good idea anymore. So, uh, And um, we've learned that um, grandchildren are wonderful and um, that uh, we can be a little tiring, but uh, it's, great to, it's great to be back um, with, our, with our church family. A couple of things I want to note. Uh, I did see out there, by the way, those of you who use those Ligonier table talks, uh, they're out there on the table to your left. So when the ushers usher you out, you know, break ranks and go grab one. Uh, they also have both August and uh, July, uh, so take advantage of that. Uh, also, um, I had a, a text message uh, from Rush Utley. He wants you to be praying, which I hope you're already doing for the newly formed search committee. And uh, so uh, uphold them as they are uh, beginning, oh, there's Rush, uh, their uh, deliberations. And uh, let's prepare now our hearts for worship.
We're called to worship. Let me read from Psalm 8, 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. We come and we worship our God, your great majesty. And we praise you for that majesty, that, that glory that is set above the heavens and that glory that is here upon this earth. We come and we worship you through our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for the anointing and blessing of your Holy Spirit, that all that we lift up before you will give you honor, that you would take delight and pleasure in this worship we bring before you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand now and sing together. Majesty. confess our faith together through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. 
The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's now turn to the Lord in prayer, and we'll begin by using the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Father, we do give you praise that you are the one who dwells in heaven, that you are not bound to this earth, to your creation, but that you are enthroned, you sit upon your throne above creation. We praise you that you are not bound to the troubles and the miseries of this world. And yet you are the one who rules and governs all that takes place. We give you praise that though you are the one who is the great king above all of creation, over all that exists, that you are also our heavenly father. That you regard us as your beloved children. Though you are keeping watch over the millions of stars light years away, you are here in this very sanctuary and listening to our prayers. And we thank you for your love. We pray, our Father, that we will hallow your name, especially that we would hallow your name this morning in this very worship. Honor you with our words. Honor you with our thoughts. Honor you with what takes place in our very hearts. We pray, our Father, that we would understand what it truly is to fear our great God and to take pleasure in that fear. We pray for your kingdom to come and we thank you that it has come in Jesus Christ and we pray for his return when the kingdom will be consummated. But meanwhile, we pray that by the work of your Holy Spirit, you would use us to serve your kingdom, to spread that kingdom, that we would be faithful in our own witness for our Lord Jesus Christ. Be faithful in the support that we give to others who have gone throughout this world with the hope of the gospel. Be faithful in the uh, financial support that we give for your kingdom, for this church, for the work around the world. Pray that we would be faithful in our prayers to pray for one another, to pray for your church to go forward, your kingdom to draw many more in uh, to the salvation of our Lord. We pray, our Father, that your will be done and that we would do your will. We pray that you would give us the, the wisdom that we need, the ears to hear, the, the ability to listen well, to hear your voice speaking to us through your word, through one another, but even by the way that your spirit works in common grace to bring your word to us in many unexpected ways. We pray, our Father, of to, that you would give to us today our daily bread, 
We pray particularly for that bread of your word to be fed to us, that we would be nourished by it, that all the more that it would strengthen us to serve our Lord well, to serve your kingdom well, to understand your will and to to do that will. We pray, our Father, for your provisions for this church. We lift up before you uh, the pastoral search committee. And we pray for our brothers and sisters, given this great responsibility uh, to, to listen well to you, to observe well, to go out and to, to, to find uh, the pastor whom you have prepared for this church. May your spirit so guide them. And may we be faithful in upholding them in prayer. We pray, our Father, for our country. We lift up our nation before you in a time of much turmoil. Uh, the turmoil caused by the uh, coronavirus, the turmoil upon uh, racial uh, d- disruptions and concerns for justice. We pray, our Father, for you to do that work that only your work, can, your spirit can do by your common grace to bring to our nation uh, healing, reconciliation, to give all of your people, particularly to give to us, understanding minds and hearts and listening uh, ears. We pray, our Father, for our rulers, or in our case of our country, for those who are our servants, uh, from the president to the congressmen, governors and all, who are there to serve us. We pray that all the more that we would uh, be such citizens that are helping to build our communities, our, our state, our country. We pray, our Father, for you to forgive our debts. We have many debts, many times that we have failed uh, to live out uh, as we should as servants of your kingdom, that we have not done your will, that we have not honored, hallowed your name. And we lift this before you and we thank you as we even ask forgiveness of acknowledging the forgiveness that we have received. For it has come through our Lord Jesus Christ and his work upon that cross. And our Father, if you would show such mercy and have such grace and be willing to pay such a cause for the forgiveness of our debts, then all the more then may we be those who are willing to pay whatever cost is regarded to forgive the debts of others, to pay the cost of our pride, uh, to, pray the, to pay the cost of, of our resentments and and bitterness, uh, to pay the cost that might be true, financial, or other costs to forgive the debts of others. But may we be those who forgive as our Lord, uh, as our Heavenly Father has forgiven the debts of us. We pray that uh, we not be led into temptation, but delivered from evil. Deliver us from the evil one who is ever seeking to tempt us, to lead us astray. Protect us from the temptations of this world that would lead us away from our heavenly kingdom. Protect us uh, from our own weak flesh, so willing uh, to give in to these temptations. And we make this prayer acknowledging that to you belongs the kingdom and the power and all of the glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Lynn, I, I, if I didn't know about it, I want to thank you for uh, selecting uh, that particular uh, hymn to playing. Praise to the Lord the Almighty. If I didn't know better, I would have thought you selected it for Ginger and me. In two days is our 41st anniversary, and that was the hymn that we sang uh, for our, at our wedding. And typically at this time, I will choose that hymn, but I neglected to do so uh, for us to sing. Thank you. And Ginger and I want to also thank uh, the congregation. I particularly want to thank you for uh, these beautiful flowers placed here. Uh, for uh, our ministry. That makes me feel better. I'd kind of wondered, you know, we go on vacation and the first act is to form a pastoral search committee. So I was a little bit, a little bit nervous there. Um, now, I, I have to admit the, the reason for selecting this particular sermon, we've been going through Hebrews and um, we'll pick back up next week. But I picked this sermon uh, because uh, I was lazy. I just didn't, I couldn't prepare that far in advance. The, the next uh, text is a particularly difficult one, and I knew I wasn't going to do it when I got home from um, vacation. So I went back to my old files and uh, pulled out this one that I preached uh, when I was pre- uh, pastoring a church in Florida. And during the summer, uh, a couple of summers, I would preach uh, through um, the book of Proverbs. So... You're getting a recycled, we're using, I didn't kill any new trees uh, for this sermon. Well, one of the jobs I've had in my life is a school principal. Uh, For about four years, I was the principal of a small high school in Philadelphia. And during that time, I would think about the question is of what it is that links the different academic classes together. What common discipline is being taught in English, science, history, math? Um, We taught Latin, Spanish, the different languages. And um, besides covering, you know, you have these different fields of knowledge. Each um, subject requires a different way of thinking. So you're in history, you're looking at significant uh, events in history and how you examine them and their significance. Well, it's a little bit different in how you tackle a mathematical theorem, maybe in geometry, or how you test a a science uh, hypothesis requires a little bit different mental processes than from gauging the quality of a poem. But what they all do have in common is this, that to do well in any of them, one must develop the ability to listen well and to observe well. If one does not hear what is being said, then you're going to fail, whatever the subject may be. And conversely, if you do succeed in learning to listen well, to perceive what you and what you hear or observe, then you will succeed. Now, the same thing holds true, we know, outside the classroom. Those who have succeeded, that is, who have succeeded in living life wisely, are those who have learned to listen well. They've learned to listen through all different manners of instruction. They've learned to 
learn in, under pleasant instruction and in instruction that was not so pleasing to receive. And when they do, they have succeeded. So hopefully we're going to practice good listening to what these Proverbs have to teach us this morning. Look with me in verse 1, and you'll see the uh, text there in your insert, beginning with verse 30. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and good news refreshes the bones. Well, let me ask you a question that we young, older folks ask each other a lot. How's your health? You know, young people don't ask this question. I hope they don't. But it's a major topic item for us who are moving up in years. You know, we've, we have learned that there are a lot of body parts to worry about. But what ranks there right up at the top is the heart and the bones. They control much of our eating habits. We take pills and, and supplements to protect them or to to strengthen them. I remember my son-in-law one time just being astonished by the number of pills that I was taking at breakfast time. We will, we will exercise for them. Uh, but this proverb gives us two practices that will make a significant difference for our heart and our bones. And the first is a cheerful look. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart. Now, we speak today of the gleam of the eyes. But whatever it is, it is that look that expresses happiness or approval or or love or even just plain fun. It's that look of approval that the young student hopes for in the teacher as she's looking over his essay. Or the child hopes for in his parents' eyes as as they're looking at the card that he has made. Is that loving look that a new or a long married couple may give to one another that assures each other of a secure love? It's that mischievous gleam in a friend's eye who's, who's sharing a secret with you. Only the two of you know. It is the brightening of the eyes of your loved one when you come into sight. Or perhaps it's that look of forgiveness of reconciliation, everything's okay after a period of tension. You know how wonderful it is to see the light in people's eyes, whether they're for you or even if you're just watching them give it to someone else. You just happen to be around. It's these cheerful looks. It's those bright eyes that just, they have a good effect on the heart. Now for the bones... We're told that good news is very helpful. Now, the Hebrew phrase literally reads this way, makes bones fat. Now, you might not want fat bones. What you do want are healthy, strong bones, and that's what the phrase means. Now, what's the good news? Well, just like the look, it can be many things. It might be that long-awaited letter from a loved one. Or in our case now, this time and period, that long-awaited email. It might be the good news of being accepted to to college or uh, having uh, receiving that job offer or uh, one's proposal for an idea being accepted. It may be the good news that the cancer is gone, that the operation was successful. 
It might be the, the good news that one's favorite team has won the championship. I, I haven't heard that kind of good news much, but I'm told that that's good. And whatever it is, good news has a powerful way of removing stress and just making us feel better. The simple yet profound principle is that joy, joy is a powerful, if it's not the most powerful ingredient to a helpful life. Joyful people tend to live longer and healthier while being productive, more so than gloomy people do. Now, people can be productive without joy. Fear will make them productive. Anger, greed, pride, just being plain competitive. But there's something about joy that these other motivators lack. And it can be detected in, in how the and how a person reflects back on their life. The joyless person will say something like this. No matter what they've achieved, I wish. I wish I had taken time to. What to what? Perhaps to enjoy the, the pleasure of a cheerful look. Perhaps to enjoy the good news of a, of a new baby or the hometown team winning that championship. No matter what the joyless person achieves, they always feel a sense of loss. They're missing something. They may not even be sure what it is, but something is not quite right. Now, it should be noted, by the way, that the, before I go further, that the cheerful look, the the good news, these are not devices to blind us, to deafen us from sad and from bad realities. Rather, what they are, they are nurturing elements that get us through the sufferings of this world. The best of men and women who have devoted themselves to, to working for justice, to ministering to the suffering, they need the cheerful looks. They need good news from others. That's what keeps them going. That child, in order to become an adult who will be able to persevere through trials, must along the way be nurtured with those bright eyes, with those encouraging words. Just as a healthy plant must have a measure of light and water to be durable and to be fruitful, so a person needs a measure of cheerful expressions and good news. Now, the next three Proverbs share the common theme of learning. Let's look at them now. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Now, before we move into this, it's, first to, it's important to establish what the Proverbs means or what they're concerned about in terms of learning. It's not so much with lots of information as it is in wise application of knowledge. And even then, the wise application has to do with how one 
lives one's life in an ethical, godly manner. Let me read to you the opening verses of the book of Proverbs that establish what the, what the writer of Proverbs is trying to do. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, now listen to this, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, in justice, and equity. So this, this kind of wisdom that is trying to convey here how to live a righteous and just life, that's the goal of, excuse me, that's the goal of Proverbs. And this goal, this type of wisdom and knowledge that it's giving, it helps to explain why such instruction is hard to receive. Let me explain here. Let's consider here the type of instruction we're told. Just looking at our three verses, it mentions reproof, or another word is rebuke, discipline, and instruction. And in that term with instruction, it's, it's coupled there with, again, with reproof. We're not given the image of a teacher imparting information, of, of a lecture being given. Rather, the idea is of a teacher in some manner correcting the errors of the student. The teacher is telling the student that he is wrong. Now, perhaps the teacher is nice. Perhaps the teacher gently points out the error. Perhaps she gives, well, what the English word actually indicates, a rebuke, a reproof. But whatever the case, she's telling the student this, you're wrong, and you need to change. That kind of instruction, well, most of us have trouble receiving it. I mean, most of us do not like being reproved, rebuked. We don't like being disciplined. Learning is one thing. Being rebuked is another. Now, what makes the reproof difficult? Well, much of it is what, is, what it is that's being corrected. You know, this is not the case of us getting someone to help us out on the computer. We just can't figure out how to make this program work or do what it's telling us. So we, we call somebody younger who then gives us instruction how to do it, and we're very thankful for them correcting us. Now, what's being corrected are values, the right way to live. The student is being told, as he goes through Proverbs, the things that the, this teacher is teaching the student is that, well, that he's being lazy. And he needs to be more disciplined in his habits. He's being told to correct his tongue. He's being corrected in the way that he spends his money, how he uses his time. He's being rebuked for his anger. He's being rebuked for lying. Every correction is a statement that something is wrong with him. Not simply wrong, but something is bad. You know, dogs can handle it. They can, be, they can handle being told, bad dog. But most of us have a lot of trouble being told, bad person. Besides hurting our feelings, this kind of instruction is hard to receive because of the humble position that we have to assume. Verse 31, I'm sorry, verse 33 picks up on this. Humility 
comes before honor. Good learning requires humility. And I tell you, it is a humbling experience to accept any form of correction, but especially a rebuke. I mean, not only do we have to acknowledge that we're wrong, but we have to acknowledge that the other person is right. But however difficult receiving correction may be, doing it well is essential if we are to gain wisdom. Again, just looking at these verses in verse 31. This one will dwell among the wise. Verse 32, gains intelligence. Verse 33, humility comes before honor. To gain that wise, that intelligence, that honor, we have to take on the position of humility. And it's essential because all of us are wrong at times. Some of us maybe more than others, but all of us in some way throughout our lives. All of us have our blind spots. None of us reach a stage in which living righteously, always knowing the right thing, always doing the right thing becomes automatic for the simple reason that sin still remains within us. Again, let's remember this. Proverbs is not addressing how wise we are in figuring out algebraic problems. It is addressing how wise we are in living righteously. And none of us have that down pat. Correction is always needed in some area <clears throat> in some area of our lives. And we have to be able, we have to be willing to listen when we receive it, no matter from whom it comes and no matter how it comes to us. You know, even, even a fool can be right sometimes when they express an opinion. Even the wicked, sometimes the wicked are best in bringing out and pointing out the things in us that need to be, be changed. Can we listen? See, that's what's at the heart of this matter. Can we push our pride aside and examine ourselves in light of the correction, no matter who it comes from, no matter how it comes to us? Humbly listening is essential. It's essential in, if we're going to profit from the scriptures, but particularly profit from Proverbs. You know, Proverbs speaks of what the fool what the wicked do and do not do. Well, are we able, as we're reading this about the fool and about the wicked, before the Lord to think about, see how these harsh words might apply to us? It is easy to think of others who need to hear these words. How many times have you been listening to, have you listened to a sermon and thought of the other person who needs to hear this. It takes much greater power of listening to hear it for oneself. Now, if listening well gains wisdom for oneself, refusing to listen brings harm. Look again at that phrase in verse 32. Whoever ignores instruction, what? Despises himself. 
It's just the Hebrew way of saying what we have said many times to others. You're only hurting yourself. Now, germane to this term for despise is the concept of rejection. To ignore discipline, to ignore correction, it is to reject needed help. It is to reject what could make a real difference in our lives. You know, we might think that we are looking out for our best interests when we ignore correction. Look, I don't need anybody telling me what's best for me. I know myself best. I can trust my own heart. I'm smart enough. Well, in reality, we are oftentimes rejecting what is needed for our best interests. Well, as we look back over these Proverbs, I've got two applications for you. And indeed, for the first one, I'm going to just call it straight out an exhortation as your pastor to do this. And I'm going to tell you, you must do it today. You cannot let today go by without putting into practice verse 30. Let's look at it again. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and good news refreshes the bones. Today, you must either give that cheerful look so as to brighten up somebody else, or you must give some kind of good news. Maybe you're to do it for someone in this sanctuary. Maybe it is for someone waiting at home. Whatever it is, or whoever it might be, you are to do it today. Maybe you need to get on your phone. Maybe you need to send an an email or write a card. Whatever the news might be, and it might just simply be, I'm just thinking of you. I'm just blessed by you. I just want to say, I'm let you know I'm praying for you. Something, whoever it is for, do it today. We all need good news. We all need those bright eyes, those cheerful looks. And we also need, for our own good, to be able to share good news, to share those cheerful looks. Now, the next thing I want you to do is to do what these verses are really trying to get you to do, to consider how good of a listener you really are. I want you to consider before God How well you listen to what God wants you to hear. We who follow the Lord, who treasure his word, you have to understand, we can still be poor listeners. Let me give you an example from the scriptures of poor listeners. Jesus' disciples. I mean, they they loved Jesus. They were committed to him. I would dare say even more than we. They could not hear him preach the gospel. They could not hear him speak of the redemption that he would procure on the cross. And even when he says it point blankly that he would rise on the third day, they couldn't hear it. Just could not hear it. And even after his resurrection, and they're telling them to go and be his disciples, spread the good news throughout the world. Well, they can only think, well, he just means Jewish people. It can't mean Gentiles. They couldn't hear. Now, why could they not hear? They could only hear what they 
they had predisposed themselves to hear. Anything outside of what they expect, it just wasn't going to come in. We needed to learn from their bad experience. If we're going to hear the full counsel of God, and not just what you know, we think is relevant to us and for our situation. Remember this. Essential to good learning is listening to everything God has to say to us, not just what we think we need to hear. And, you know, when I was looking back on, you know, trying to find a, a sermon to preach, I, I did, when I stumbled across this, I said, you know, this would be good for today. And I want us to think about application today. I mean, is there a greater time than today that we need to be able to listen well? We are able to argue well. We have different sides and different viewpoints about this virus and what we're supposed to do about it and and all. And we certainly have our different views about the the racial conflict and justice. And we, um, you know, I'm on Facebook and I've got friends way on that side of the issue, way on that side of the issue. And, you know, they're sharing articles and comments. And, you know, there is one thing I'm, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for to hear someone do. And that is saying, you know, I've, I've never really thought about it this way. I'm really being challenged by the way that I think. Maybe there is a point. It just doesn't exist on Facebook. People with strong arguments and rebuttals and, and reproofs to give to others, but no one, no one receiving it. And I, I, I ask myself, can it possibly be that everybody on, you know, whatever the, whoever you consider on the other side, are they always wrong on every single issue? And that no one can ever admit that somebody on the other side, whatever other side, might have a point, could be right. We've got to challenge ourselves. We are those who are born again, who have the Holy Spirit in us. We need to be those who are able to listen better than anyone else. And then for this last application is for those who have yet to receive the gospel. And maybe that's not true of anyone here in the sanctuary, but we also being online, uh, this is being recorded. And and for anyone who may be listening in on this, you know, the term gospel literally means good news. Now, most people have chosen to reject the good news. And dozens of reasons are given, but the Bible, you have to understand, gives one source for whatever the reason might be. And it is as simply says, it is pride. Being a good listener to what God has to say requires humility more than anything else. That phrase in verse 33, the fear of the Lord, could simply be said, be humble before the Lord. And that's it's the most difficult thing to do. Humbling oneself to hear that you are a sinner, and that's what the 
the good news is teaching that you even deserve condemnation, that you are helpless to help yourself, well, that's hard to receive. Hearing the news that you are not wise enough, you're not good enough to be accepted by God, that, you, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that's tough to receive. And even what seems to be really good news to, to, to hear is difficult. That the gospel is free. Well, it, it can seem to be too good to be true. Or it can seem to be all the more threatening to us because it's saying to us, it's putting us in the position of only being the receiver. And we can't look to ourselves or take pride in ourselves. And that's difficult to do. But to borrow a phrase from Jesus, let him who has ears to hear. May we all hear whatever rebuke or discipline that we need. And may we all hear the good news that comes from God and live. We give you thanks and praise, our God, for the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. And may we be ever, uh, by your Holy Spirit, have the ears to hear his good news, to hear all of your counsel to us. We may be faithful followers of our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand now and we'll sing verses 1, 2, and the last verse of Be Thou My Vision. will come forward and they'll escort you out and I hope that you'll congregate outside and have a chance to visit. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.